Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Here are your hosts, Julie Fudge-Smith and Colleen Pilar. Welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith and I'm here with Colleen Pilar. And today we're going to talk about four lessons that Colleen has learned from dogs. We had one episode where I talked about lessons I learned from Zuzu. So I said, Colleen, you need to tell me lessons you've learned from some of your dogs. So with that, Colleen, what are four things that you have learned from dogs? Yeah, I was thinking about this when you when you gave me my homework. Uh, like every good student, I put it out of my mind for a long, long time until suddenly I needed to come up with something because it was time to record. Um, so I had four specific dogs come to mind when I was thinking about it, and they're not all my dogs. Um, three of them are client dogs. And the first dog that I want to talk about was named Zowie, like Zowie. Wowie with a Z. And yeah, he was, um, he was one of my, he was my first ever private client. So probably early 1992. Um, and he was a hound who had not had a great background and had been adopted by an older woman who was absolutely unable to, to handle him. Um, but Zowie's heart was in the right place. The unfortunate news for Zowie and for her was that their dog trainer was new at dog training and she didn't know enough about dog training to really do a great job with them. So um, Zowie wound up being rehomed because they were not successful. But he he was a nice dog. I seriously considered adopting Zowie myself because... I fell in love with Zowie and I was younger, stronger, healthier, better able to walk this dog, all of those things. But he wasn't going to be the right dog for children. And I did not have children at that time, but I hoped to have children within Zowie's lifetime. So Zowie really taught me um, how important it is to make the right match. Like there was nothing wrong with oh, Zowie. Yeah. And this woman, there was absolutely nothing wrong with her being... Uh, the owner, the family for a dog. She, you know, she's a wonderful family for a dog, but it was not the right match. Um, and so I have always carried a little hurt in my heart for that I wasn't mm-hmm. able to successfully help them. I wasn't, I didn't have the magic wand and I didn't make it work. But the experience of working with Zowie really helped me grow as a dog trainer. It definitely taught me that I needed to learn more and, and, and I did. My methods, the methods mm-hmm. I used with Zowie are nothing like what I would use today because I believe in continuing education. And I, and I believe the methods I use today are different than those I will use in five years. I'll continue growing and learning. Um, but really that whole idea of the right match. And so the, the analogy I use most often with people when we talk about it is that, um, my brother-in-law is awesome, kind and gentle, and he's a, just a fabulous man, but he would be a terrible husband for me. And my husband is a great husband for me, but he'd be a terrible husband for my sister. So you can have a mismatch without it being a judgment on either the human right. or the dog when it when it isn't right. And so sometimes rehoming is the greatest gift you can give a dog. And that was the gift that Zowie was given. Um, but it took me a long time to see the gift. I only saw the pain for a long time. Right. 
Right. Oh, I, I get that. And we talked about that in our rehoming episode mm-hmm. that, that oftentimes what we're talking about is we're not talking about like bad dogs or bad owners. We're talking about bad match. Yeah. That, you know, and, and that's not you're right. It's not a judgment on either one of them. It's a, it's a statement about the reality of the situation, mm-hmm. which needs to be remembered. So yeah. Yeah. that's tough stuff. So. Yeah. So that was Zowie, number one. Zowie. That was number two. Number two was my dog, Gordo. And Gordo um, was yellow lab. And Gordo really, really loved people. But he had chronic ear infections. He had very serious um, pain related to his ears. And so he did not like people reaching toward his head. And my husband is not a dog person. And I realize that is just shocking news for uh, someone who's married to a dog trainer. <laughs> but yeah. we were married before I was a dog trainer. He, he didn't see how dog crazy I was. And I didn't realize how completely inept he was with dogs. So this this um, caused some moments of challenge for us. So Gordo... Um, Loved everybody, so he loved Jack, and Jack thought Gordo was a pretty good dog, too, so he responded to Gordo in the way he thought you should be nice to a dog by thunk, thunk, thunking Gordo on his head, you know, like, here, I'll pet you, bump, bump, bump on your head. But Gordo's ears, oh, Gordo's ears, he didn't like that. Um, and it didn't really matter that I would explain to Jack, like, here, you could pet him this way or pet him that way, or, like, it, it, Jack didn't didn't pick that up. <laughs> so um, Gordo, because he's a genius, solved the problem on his own. <laughs> so when Jack would come home, Gordo would go rushing to see him. And then as he would get close to Jack, he would make eye contact with him. And, and I swear it was like, hold that thought. And he would run off and get a toy and come back and present the toy to Jack. Like, here, grab this. <laughs> and so Jack would then play tug with Gordo and they were both really happy. They felt this connection. They felt this experience together. And so Gordo taught me the incredible power of rewarding an incompatible behavior. Oh, I don't ah, really yes. like what you're doing, but I could help you do something else. I could find a different behavior. So rewarding an incompatible behavior as a parent was an incredibly powerful tool to me. And it was lovely to have Gordo teach me in in beautiful real time what that looks like. Yes. Oh, I love that. Like, Gordo was a wonderful dog. I remember Gordo and, and he was a, a really sweetheart of a dog. But I do love that. And incompatible behaviors are important. Mm-hmm. Um, they really are. You know, you cannot simultaneously jump on grandma and sit by my side yeah. or, you know, stand by my side. So those incompatible behaviors really set both the owners and the dogs up for success in what could be stressful situations. Yeah. So good for Gordo. Good for Gordo. He All right. Awesome. So who's dog number three? Dog number three was a German shepherd named Carrie. And Carrie uh, belonged to a business partner of mine, and she had adopted Carrie because a client could no longer keep Carrie. Carrie was reactive. In fact, her nickname was Scary Carrie because she had a tendency to um, launch herself and bark in the face of anyone who frightened her. And she was uncomfortable with people. But Carrie also had a really good heart. Carrie liked people. She wanted to believe they were good, but... She also thought they were really kind of scary. And one day we were at the training facility and it was winter and I am very prone to static electricity. 
And Carrie worked up her courage to come over and say hello to me. Oh, no. And she touched her nose to my hand and got shocked. And I was like, oh, no. And then she was like, nope, this is okay. You didn't mean that. I'll come back. And she came back over toward me. And she touched her nose to my hand again. And she got shocked again. And then it happened a third time. So three times this dog who had a history of reactivity was giving me another chance to, to be her friend. And three times I blew it because I was full of static and it was winter. And every time she got shocked on her nose. So Aww. it was very sad. It just broke my heart because poor Carrie was really working. So what Carrie taught me is that when things don't go right, we want to kind of look at what is the nicest possible interpretation of what just occurred here. And so she did not look at it as, oh, look, you're attacking me. <laughs> she looked at it as, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I don't <laughs> think you meant that to hurt me. So I'm going to try again. Um, but th that would be powerful for any dog. But I think it was particularly powerful for a dog who had had so many struggles with people. Um, so having having scary Carrie no longer be so scary and have her be brave enough to not only solicit attention once, but three times from a person who was zapping her on the nose unintentionally, but that doesn't change the fact that it hurt. Um, I, I thought she was a lovely example of kind of grace under pressure and um, looking yes. for the best possible interpretation of what, of what's happening here. She didn't hold it against me. Did Carrie ever become your friend? Um, Carrie became more comfortable with me, but she never got to the point where she really solicited a lot of attention from her. But but I could do whatever in the area, and she was comfortable with that. But but she never got to the spot where she thought I was one of the most amazing people ever, which actually leads pretty well into my fourth my fourth story. Um, and my fourth one is um, there is a basset hound named Radar who's deaf. And Radar is one of my special heart dogs. You know how there's certain dogs that you just, like, connect with? Mm-hmm. And Radar is one of those. And I don't know why. I've never lived with a Basset. I've never lived with a deaf dog. I don't I don't have a reason why this particular dog would be one of, one of my dogs. But Radar is. Um, and Radar and I have known each other a number of years. And I think... I mean, it sounds sort of like space agey, but like, I think we vibrate at the same level. Like, I just think like we know when the other one is around. Um, and I love radar. I absolutely adore radar. Um, so one day I was at the training facility and I was not teaching and I walked into a class and radar was in the class and I didn't know radar was going to be in there. But when I walked in the room, I saw him, he saw me and Suddenly, this deaf dog who already couldn't hear his owner couldn't hear or see or think about anything else other than like, Colleen is here. And I couldn't see or hear or think about anything else other than radar is here. <laughs> and a class was attempting to occur around us, but, but we were not in that moment. We were in this, you know, the, the field running toward each other moment. Oh, look, you're here. Um, and, He's just really a sweet, sweet dog. And I, what I wonder about that with is like, why radar and why me? There, there are 10 trainers. 
Radar didn't feel that way about all the trainers. And there are certainly dogs who do. They're like, yay, a trainer. I love a trainer. I um, mean, so many dogs that I love. Um, but for, with Radar, it seems to be one step up, one step farther. And so I, I think the lesson from Radar is um, to really go toward the, the ones who really see you, all of you, the, the real you, you know, Um and not just see you as a role or as a function or, you know, like, oh, yay, the dog trainer or, oh, yay, Colleen. Radar did, oh, yay, Colleen. Um, and I feel that way about Radar, not, oh, yay, look, the dog's in class, which I did feel like, yay, all of these dogs, they're all awesome. And then there's Radar. Radar. <laughs> so, so these, the four lessons that I was thinking about today in, in preparation for this were like the real importance of, of the right match and, and finding the right match, uh, for a dog and a family. And then the power of rewarding incompatible behaviors and, and looking for what do you want? Like, I, I want, mm -hmm. what's, what's the best part here? What can I build on? What's an incompatible behavior so that I can prevent the stuff I don't want while I'm working toward what I do? And then Carrie, really looking at things in terms of what is the nicest possible way I can interpret that behavior. And that can come in very handy in traffic. You know? It can. That is a useful skill in traffic. One that I think I should probably cultivate. Yeah. Because you're right. You're so, right. Or, or standing in the line, you know, wherever. Yeah. You know, maybe the reason why this line is taking longer is because the person in front of me or the in front of her or in front of her is getting really good service. Exactly. And I think really good service too. And that is the best possible interpretation and it changes how you feel about the whole situation. And Carrie is a beautiful example of that. And then of course my radar of, you know, going going to those who see you and being hanging out with the ones who appreciate you for you and aren't really trying to change you, um, but love you as you are. Right. And I think there's something to be said to to sort of knowing that there are people out there and dogs out there that feel that way about you. Because as we go through our days and we have those who perhaps don't care as much about us or, you know, just sort of dismiss you or whatever, I think sometimes it's nice to have that one person, that one dog, that one thing or whatever to hold on to, to remind you that at least there's someone who does see me. There yeah. is someone who, who does care about me. And there's someone that I see. And it also gets me to also remember I need to be seeing people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Be seeing what's happening. Because um, if I don't, I'm likely to miss something important. And I can't see everything in the same way. I mean, uh, that, that you that you, know, you and Radar see each other, or, or you know Bingley and I saw each other, but I can strive to see more, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think that's an important thing. Um, it's something I'm finding is it's as I am a um, middle aged woman, and I read a, a great book called um, Calling All Invisible Women or something along that line. I can't remember the exact title by Jeannie Ray, and it's about a middle aged woman who literally becomes invisible. Um, she has her clothes and her hair, but the rest of her is invisible, and no one notices. <laughs> no one notices that she's not there because she's middle-aged, and that's what happens to so middle-aged women. We become somewhat invisible, mm -hmm. and so and that's something that I have experienced a lot in the last year is is my own invisibility, and so it's led me to think about do I treat others as being invisible? Do I not see them? 
mm-hmm. for one. But how do I aid in my own invisibility? Do I, you know, I, I tend, I found that though no one would believe it listening to this podcast, I actually talk less than I used to. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so that I'm quieter as I get older. And that aids that invisibility. But but it, it is true that as you get older, you get gray. And in fact, I was watching a, a, a series of Longmire and the guy said, he said, you mean you're, it, 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 one guy, a young sheriff said to uh, a retired sheriff, you mean you just walked in, he goes, what you don't understand, young man, is that when you're old, nobody pays any attention to you. That's why I could walk right in there. <laughs> and so, um, you know, uh, I think I, I love the idea of, of, you know, seeing, of really mm-hmm. seeing others, I think, is um, is pretty magical and something that we should all strive. Because I also find, too, that, that you know, in this age of connectedness, in this age that we are supposedly all connected, in, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all this other stuff, how disconnected most people really feel. Yeah. Yeah. Loneliness has really increased. Um, yeah. And I can't help but wonder if that's because we, we spend so much time looking at things rather than looking at people mm-hmm. or dogs or sentient creatures of some sort. Mm-hmm. So those are great lessons. So, um, is there anything else that comes to mind after you've talked about these four dogs lessons that you've learned that other dogs that might like, no tier two, this is tier one dog lessons. <laughs> Do you have any tier two dog lessons? Tier two dog lessons. I don't know that I do. I mean, I do and I don't, I guess. Um, I think, I think my sweet Edzo has taught me a lot about accepting those just as they are. Um, he's he's a worrier, and he always has been. And there are things that can make him feel safer, but there aren't there aren't things that that just make all the worries go away. There there are no magic wands for him. But uh, the big magic wand for him is to be near me. Typically, um, in <laughs> fact, I used to take him when I when I adopted him. I hoped he was going to be my preschool dog because Gordo loved preschool. So we did the preschool visits for the three year old classes, and we did all the classes. And so I adopted Ed, so thinking he would be a preschool dog, and I took him to preschool, and um, everyone admired how good he was because he would just sit and stare at me. And they would be like, oh, he's awesome. He's so well-trained. He's perfect. And I was like, I am trying to teach children about happy, friendly body language and how to know if a dog is saying yes or no, if you could pet them. And this dog is saying no. He's saying, Colleen, let's go home. (laughs) Let's go home. And so they were seeing this lack of behavior as good dog. And I was seeing lack of behavior as, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. So we, we had to retire from preschool because Edzo didn't want to do that. Um, but, but he has a, he still had a good life. Um, he's still, mm-hmm. he's, he still has the things that bring him joy and he still has, um, you know, the connection. He wants to be with me. I want to be with him. It all works out quite beautifully that way. Um, but, but it's a smaller world than it is for many dogs. Mm-hmm. And, um, so just, I guess to make his small world the best it can be, um, is good enough. It- yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yes, I, I agree. The the thing that I would brings to mind to me is the idea of asking your dog what they want to do. You know, I think 
that I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I get a fair number of people who say things to me. They, they've got a, a 10-week-old puppy, and they say, we're going to be a service. You know, we're going to be a therapy dog, and I want to do this with my dog, and I want to do that with my dog, and he's he needs to do this. Or people who get a puppy and say, he's going to be my service dog. And part of me is like, has anybody asked the dog? Because... Um, you know, we can want all kinds of things for our dogs, but I think it's only appropriate in their own way to ask them, is that what you want? Mm -hmm. um, I had one woman, she had a delightful golden retriever. I loved this dog, but this dog was not destined to be a therapy dog. He was just very, I'm out with people and I, I'll be with my dad or I'll be with my mom and I'm okay, but I really am very nervous and this is really uncomfortable and I really don't want to take treats and I don't really want to do this and I'm not going to be a bad dog, but I'm not a happy dog either. And I finally just had to have the talk saying, please don't do this. Please don't force him to do something that he is clearly uncomfortable doing. Mm -hmm. So I think that that um, one of the things that I have learned from my dogs and one of the things that Zuzu has taught me is that she she's not Bingley and that's fine. <laughs> she she can't and won't do the things that Bingley did. And that's perfectly okay. You know, um, Edzo's not going to do what Gordo did and that's okay. So I think that one of the lessons we can learn from our dogs and one of the joys that we can take from our dogs and, and the thing that Gordo did, which is, you know, to teach Jack how to play mm -hmm. appropriately with him, they can teach us so much about acceptance. They can teach us so much about appropriate and inappropriate requests. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to figure out a way to ask your dog, do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. And um, that's something I think every dog can teach us. Yes. Because every dog has its own idea of what it is that I want to do it and what I don't. Granted, there are things like, yes, you must go to the vet and get weighed and, you know, and get your inoculations and all that other kind of stuff. But as far as your career, you know, maybe, you know, house dog is just the absolute right career for you. And the more it turns into this two-way conversation, the better it is. You know, the, the yeah. more it really is um, bit by bit, moment by moment, going back and forth. I'm good. You good. Right. You good. I'm good. You know, and just kind of, are we moving in the right direction? Yeah. Well, I, I took Zuzu to agility class and she was like, okay, this, you, she, and she, she did everything I asked her to do. But the, the, the video I have of her, she's like, we walk across the railing. You know, she just was very, I mentioned to a friend, she took her dog, her, she said, I had no idea how much fun it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave Zuzu the chance to try this because she loves running through tunnels, but not in an agility facility. So it's I think it's okay to ask your dog to give them different opportunities to try things, but you have to listen to what the answer is. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think those are wonderful lessons and they four wonderful dogs. And I would love to meet. I love Basset Hounds. I feel like Basset Hounds are the dog that was made from leftover parts. <laughs> you know, God, God was making all these breeds, and then somehow we got these really long ears, and we got this long body and these short, stubby legs. You know, and the guy's like, no, let's, I, hey, it's a basset hound. 
<laughs> so I think they're wonderful dogs, but I would love to meet Radar sometime. Well, he's so. very sweet, but he won't be able to see you if I'm there because he and well, I will true. only be able to see each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I can I can adore him from afar. I'm perfectly capable. Well, you can go in and say hello. He'll like you very much. He's a therapy dog now until I arrive, in which case then it's all about me. <laughs> Or at least I hope it will be, because it's for me, it's all about him. So, <laughs> Okay, well, I will go in and meet him, and then I'll leave, and you can go There we go. It'll be awesome. There we go. That'll Perfect. work. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, Kelly. We'll see you all <laughs> next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Colleen and Julie would love to hear them. Call 614-349-1661 or visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.